Hello and welcome to the Nile Nine podcast. It is myself, Nile, and Andre Cleary. Beep, beep, beep. On episode 193 of the Nile Nine podcast, we are going to be talking mainly about live music this week, I think, Andrea. And uh, from yeah. the gigs we have been to, like Hendrick Lamar and Pavement in the last week, the gigs we actually attended, and then the ongoing hullabaloo around the secondary ticketing market, thanks to Taylor Swift, of course, in for that, and the ever-problematic Grammy Awards, as reliable as ever, but as reliable as ever here uh, with me is Andrea Cleary. How are you oh, doing? Stop, I'm good. I just had a little bite of a brownie and it was delicious. Oh, nice. um, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing good. Has it has it really been a week? Um, has it actually, or has it been two the, weeks? The days they do be flying. <laughs> They do be fine. Um, it's cold. I've got my hot water bottle with me. I've got my frankly obscene mug, which is just giant and nearly the size of my head. So yeah, it's here. Giant mug. It's all happening. Yeah. Big cup um, of coffee I'm right very, me very excited to, I'm not sure if we're going to start with this, but I'm very excited to hear about your experience at Kendrick Lamar. Well, I let's start there. It's your, a big, it was a big gig. It was a big gig. And, I enjoyed um, your piece on the Nile and Nine website. Everyone should go and read it. Thanks. It's nice to do an old uh, live review. Um, I know. I was. I, I saw it pop up and I was like, oh, I haven't had a little little piece from Nile in a while, a little opinion yeah. piece. It's yeah, enjoyable. it's hard. You know, it is hard to find the time to do stuff like it that. Is. And I think I want to do loads of big features all the time, but like it's really hard in the day to day to to find time to do it, especially as it's it's basically me now again um, since the pandemic. So that's very tough to do that. But um yeah, it was nice to sit down and like recount my experience of it. Um, like, <clears throat> you know, I think in the lead up to this gig, the only thing I really knew about it is that it didn't seem to be maybe selling that well uh, for some reason. And I think maybe it's down to ticket prices and a younger generation who don't have that kind of cash to splash around and, you know, who have to be convinced that maybe spending 70 quid on a ticket for a gig is something you want to do. Um, also, mm. I, you know, as we discussed and we uh, reviewed Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, this is the Mr. Morale, uh, the Big Steppers tour. Um, so basically it is a very dense album. It is a very introspective album. It's maybe, I don't think, I mean, I'll ask you a question. Have you listened to um, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers since we reviewed it? I I have, but... Much? Mm, I, I'd say I've I've listened to certain songs from it quite a lot, but straight through, no. Um, yeah. I, mean, I that think was that would change if I had the LP, which I don't, but I think I'd be more likely to put it on. Um, but if I'm just putting it on on Spotify, I'll just kind of listen to a couple of the songs. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting because I think maybe... I wouldn't say it was exactly tepid, the reaction, but I think because of the nature of the album being as it is, like that it is quite a difficult album to listen to in lots of ways. The, it's The reaction was, was um, like looking back on it a little bit bizarre um, as, as it tends to be with kind of big albums like this. But when you get someone who's as lyrically dense and complex as Kendrick and people trying to kind of, you know, formulate their opinion really, really quickly and give it five stars or give it two stars or, or declare that it's a perfectly average album after even only a week with it. I mean, I think you and I, um, uh, we we reviewed it. We recorded our our review a week or so after it came out, and even at yeah. that point, um, we 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 were still really up in the air with it, and we still, you know, we felt like we had a a lot more work to do, um, with it. So yeah, I think I think the reaction to it was was one of kind of panic, 
um, across both the music press and kind of rap fans and, and, and Kendrick fans, you know. Um, well, I guess that's the thing, you know, I mean, it is worth saying that um, albums, uh, album reviews, I mean, one of the reasons why I don't really do them anymore in the traditional format is because they are snapshots, let's be honest. There's no definitive, you know, um, telling of an album and especially when you're rushing to kind of address something like such a big album mm. i prefer the discussion that we do in terms of how we feel about it at the time and sometimes you go back and you listen and you're like well i feel totally different about that album now but you know mm. that's what time does that's what listening does that's what um repeated listens do but i think yeah mr Merrill and the big steppers was an album that i'm not sure where it's going to sit because i've started to think about the end of the year you know and no. i think i'm not, no. Yeah, well, I have to. It's 16th of November. We've got a month left. Um, I, you know, I want to get this done and, and dusted for the end of the year. But you know, I don't know where that's going to sit. In I don't mm. know. I don't know yet. I'm going to figure that out. But I think it's because, you know, the album is because it's informed by like the vernacular of therapy and like um, the inner self and like ego and, and stuff like that. There's a lot of you know references there there's a lot of things but it, what that does in terms of the gigs is that does that give it a framework in which to hang uh, these songs through so on the night you know i mean had you seen the glastonbury performance because i think yes, i was kind of expecting yeah. more of that i i watched the glastonbury performance live and i have to say actually it recontextualized and gave me a way into the album that led me to listen to the album a lot more after the Glastonbury performance. I think he's such yeah. a brilliant visual performer that, that that really helped me. Um, so yeah, I'm very curious about the similarities and differences. Yeah, there. I was kind of expecting um, much the same, but maybe on a slightly bigger stage, but it was actually quite different. Mm. Um, obviously, the Glastonbury main stage, the pyramid stage, doesn't have a um, the wherewithal to bring a big um plint out out into the crowd and that was one of the main differences and he spent a lot of time on that which also meant that he was basically in the middle of the crowd for a lot of the show and then that allows obviously the productions as well i mean like there was some beautiful touches it was all very like it was quite basic <laughs> a lot of it reminded me of like the floor was like uh, you know in empire strikes back uh the star wars film where um han solo's getting frozen there's a lot of like that mm. kind of like great steel and stuff mm. like that and it's all muted gray and uh, there's a big drape that hangs for a lot of the show like it goes up and down throughout the show and sometimes there are dancers behind it and sometimes there's nothing behind it it's just he is out on his own doing his own thing mm. other times there's like he has a piano at the He's start. He's in a box sometimes. Yeah so he had there's a I saw TikToks uh, of um in England people going Oh, is that where it came from? Because that's what happened. Kendrick's in a box, in a box, Kendrick's in a box, which I thought was really funny. Well, that happened live at the gig and I was like, wow, everyone was very quick with that. I didn't see that on TikTok. I was like, I'm not sure if it originated in the, well, I mean, we can make the assumption that it originated in in the UK. Okay, but as popularized on TikTok, then we can say. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's where I saw it anyway, but I did think it was quite funny. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was. It was very funny. Like, I mean, there was the usual ole ole as well, of course, but like Mm. that was a new one. That was a new one for me. And I was like, wow. I'm starting to hate the ole ole thing. Ah, But we'll talk about that more later. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, Well, yeah, there was the box as well. And I love, I mean, I think before I get into the, like the nitty gritty of the actual shows itself, um, I love 
going to places like Three Arena now and seeing these big productions because I think since the pandemic, funny enough, there has been, or maybe it's just co- coincided with me seeing lots more of those gigs in that in a big space like that, which is kind of modular and allowed to move things around. Mm. I've just been really impressed by the level of detail and precision that's involved in some of the lighting stuff and uh, and some of the staging and how it works. Can I ask, were you standing or sitting? No, we were sitting. We were we had mm. really good seats up the front yeah, of the of the seating area, which was great. And I do love that at the three room to be able to look at everything and see it as mm. it is, because it does really um, lend itself to like just actually watching it because it's a great show to watch. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think it's just like those kind of precision things. Yeah, the COVID box, he came out in like a, like the, this box comes down over his head and these four guys in hazmat suits. And he's like, so the entire show is framed by, on the album, the narrator is Kendrick's wife, Whitney Alford. And he's, um, she's kind of probing him and guiding him and asking him on to uh, consider um his uh, mistakes that he's made and to address them and uh, work past them. And some of those are, you know, these are complicated things in like, he talks about sex addiction and um, like having affairs and stuff. And that's, you know, the, the decision to frame the album with his wife doing that is also a very intimate one as well. Cause it means that she is involved in his public exploration of their mm. own personal life which he's never really done before with a with a partner no. or with her you know but on the show in the live show it was uh helen mirren who did the voice mm. and that's uh she was kind of a similar kind of language but very much echoing like that mr morale you know when the COVID box comes in you've been contaminated all that kind of stuff you've forgotten who you are all this kind of stuff um so it gave us that kind of through line for the show i think Overall, I mean, it was very heavy on Mr. Morale in the end. Like it, all but three songs uh, from the album weren't featured, um, and there was a lot of room for a lot of his greatest hits. We're talking like you, you heard a couple of tr- not many songs from "To Pimp a Butterfly," "All Right," and "King Kunta were there, mm. um, the likes of "Money Trees" and uh, "Swimming Pool" and uh, "Backstreet uh, Backseat Freestyle." Um, from Good Kid Mad City was there. There was a, a fair bit of damn loyalty was there. Um, some just like a verse and a chorus, maybe sometimes like DNA was not the full one. And same with mm. even the very first track, he comes out and he's sitting at the piano, uh, United in Grief, playing the piano bit, and he's got this puppet on his on his shoulder, mm. um, or on his on his, uh, on his piano. And, does he play uh, the piano? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay. And. So he gets up and he walks and he and he, it's the part of the song where you know that these those shuffling beats are going to come in, mm. and he gets to the microphone that's been set up for him and he's holding a puppet, and it doesn't come in, <laughs> and you're okay. like, oh no, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't go there. Um, why why do you think he did that? I don't know, I don't know, but it was mm. like he really did a lot of that. Like there was moments where the silence was deafening, as in mm. he allowed the crowd to fill up a good minute and a minute and a half of silence and he said nothing. So mm. with the start of that, you know, he's holding this puppet and he's looking, he's standing stoically and the puppet starts moving, looking at the crowd. But everyone is just that's shouting cool. at him. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, like, that's cool. That it's kind of got to the point where it's uncomfortable and you're like, are they... Like he's he's rarely off stage in an hour and 45 minutes. Okay. And because of that his breathers are 
basically in public between songs and he spent a lot of time just uh <laughs> like just standing there not saying anything and he doesn't say a lot during the during the concert other than you know i was here five years I, I, we had it's been five years since we saw each other kind of thing you know um i want to hear your energy and like nothing major but a really great set i think it 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 successfully brings um mr morale and weaves it through a lot of what he does uh, with the rest of his albums. Like there's obviously Humble was there, but you not you don't get the full one. Uh, Element was in there. Um, so yeah, like it's a 29 song set list and it's completely stuffed with Mr. Morale's uh, songs and then dotted with what sometimes feels like lip service to previous albums. And that's kind of fair enough because this is the Big Steppers tour. So therefore I can kind of understand why he's not playing the full songs. But sometimes it is like, oh, I wish he'd just play the second verse of DNA or whatever, or like Mm. loyalty, whatever. There's some of those moments, but I think he's just so poised and he's so uh, precise in what he does. Um, And he, this show makes him feel like the author rapper, as I described him. He's like, the one, the person who's creating his own worlds and who's uh, bringing only now select um, collaborators into it. Like, obviously, we've talked before, you know, about him like doing crappy guest verses and stuff, and he's he's awful at that. But he has not done that for a long, long time right? because he doesn't need to, mm. uh, and that's great <laughs> because we don't need any more of that. Uh, but that does mean that I think this big Steppers tour feels like a bit of a um, a marker for what comes next because. He's obviously talked about how this album is his last album for Top Dog Entertainment, and now he's going to go on and do his own thing. He's been developing uh, talents himself. His cousin Baby Keem was on support, uh, two sports, Tana Leon, and which who I missed, and then um, Baby Keem. And Baby Keem had a great big reaction, big reaction before yeah. he came on, and it was only like he was on from half eight to nine, and then fifteen minutes later, Kendrick came on. You know, so it wasn't okay. like a big long wait. It was like. He came out and he did it. And then he comes back on for three of his own songs during Kendrick's set near the end. So that was really interesting because okay. like Family Ties, that uh, great song that Kendrick's on from Melodic Blues is uh, performed. And That's a great that was, song. It was one of the biggest like buzzes of the night was hearing mm-hmm. that for everyone, I think. It was really like... That's, that's when, amazing for him. Yeah, like, there was crowds of people of throughout the whole yeah. show um, making mosh pits, creating space for mosh pits that never really materialized because the songs no. either stopped or they just didn't kick in what they t- people thought was going to happen. But when <laughs> when funny. that happened, when Family Ties happened, that's when it really, you know, it kicked off. It really okay. kicked off then. So that was great. Um, awesome. So yeah, just, I mean, I think if you're talking about, I've seen a lot of talk about how this is the best hip hop show of all time. What I will say is, I mean, it's certainly a brilliant theatrical um crowd pleasing but introspective and interesting uh take on the album and while bringing in not leaving the great hits behind mm. i mean he uh, because of the nature of it because he's uh, because it is quite uh introspective i guess for that reason alone you probably it's probably not going to hit those heights in in terms of energy um that say my paragon for this is the watch the throne show where you know you have stupid stupidly like kanye and and uh and jay-z performing on plinths in the middle of the crowd to each other and doing i think uh doing uh n-word in paris like what i think they did eight or nine times at the end of the gig that kind of like 
level of silliness that happened in a, they just you don't really see in an arena that kind they of did like, it eight or nine times at the end uh, of a gig i think it was seven or but in, in paris i think they did it like <gasps> 18 or 19 times in a row or something like that what but <laughs> it, it, it became this that. like that's did amazing you know, no. no it became this like uh this non this to like how many times are they going to do it and that's <laughs> it was so cool but the more <laughs> they did it the like uh <laughs> the more it got like you're you have the same reaction every time it restarts and then you're like yeah oh wow and then it starts again you're like no i don't believe it and then you're like no i'm kind of sick of this now and then it's like no do it again do it again do it again it's like it's actually it's do like you know they only did it like four four times in in dublin as well all they did oh, okay. at that time yeah, it's I like when you when you more. have a joke that has a lot of repetition in it it's funny and then it becomes unfunny and then it's unfunny yeah, for so exactly long that it like becomes that. funny yeah. again yeah 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 so um it is great. I mean, I think it is it, it is a, a brilliant show and it's definitely... Do you know, I kind of wish I didn't... Uh, I kind of wish I'd, I'd gone a little bit to see the Drake show or something just to be... If I had seen the Drake show, I'd just have a, a marker of what somebody in his field is doing in uh, in terms of performance. I know the only thing I can remember about the, the Drake show that there was an upside down car. I would imagine it's l- <laughs> not as uh, interesting or uh, reaches the level of high art that I saw uh, last week in, mm. uh, in the three arena with Kendrick. But, you know, it's just kind of like, I'm like trying to think of who else um, in the in is doing what he does. You know, it's like, it's kind of like David Byrne in a way. It's like the David Byrne thing of like, creating this constructing this interesting arena show that isn't mm. really a rock one or in the genre of the music that they're making or pop yeah yeah so but it also is very crowd pleasing as well so i think it was great it was really good part <laughs> of me would so really much. respect kendrick more if he refused to play all right or king kunta or any of the old hits and like only played the new album you know yeah. <laughs> just had it as that narrative but i mean yeah he definitely didn't do the whole of king kunta for sure but he didn't do yeah. the whole of it but like you'd you imagine he's probably sick of performing that song at this stage like yeah i'd say yeah. so i'd say so but yeah um i mean you know i think you can probably guess what songs he didn't do um from the album the one that closes it with Beth Givens, probably the most introspective and slowest one. I mm. couldn't see that really working in a big arena. Maybe he could make it work, but he definitely didn't do it. Obviously, the dead naming problematic track, uh, Anti Diaries, uh, wasn't got no mention of that. And uh, we cried oh, together. Oh, he, did, he didn't do Anti Diaries. No, he didn't do that. Okay. And uh, we cried together. I think that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, like the. The, the the back and forth kind of like theatricality of people fighting that's at the core of we cry together is referenced at the start of one of the songs and then goes into purple hearts mm. um but doesn't i mean i don't know if you could you couldn't you don't have he didn't have anyone else on stage with him to perform yeah it, if know, he has so someone he else to really perform it it's good but yeah. i mean with anti-diaries it's a good idea not to give people the opportunity to shout the f slur yeah like four or five times um in a in a crowd it's probably a good idea yeah, um, I did have a laugh at one point when, you know, that line in uh, uh, where he's like, he's sitting in, uh, at the point in the in the song, um, I can't remember which song it is, is it, uh, from Mr. Morale, where he's like, uh, when Kanye got back with Drake, I was slightly confused. So mm-hmm. he raps that line, but he's, sit, he's like lying on a lounge chair at, the, at that point. And I'm like, 
he's probably still confused i'd say do you know what i mean <laughs> he just looks yeah. he still looks a bit like perplexed about the whole thing um but yeah uh look fantastic so um yeah i'm not sure if there's much more i can say about uh well Mr. i'm Morale, glad that you enjoyed it because it's a it's well i tell you this huge show and yeah. my friend who i brought um uh shout out to co he he went the next night on his own uh, with his partner to bring and he brought her because he was like he wasn't going to but mm. I brought him and he, was, he enjoyed it so much he went back again the next night okay so what about your gig experience how did you get on I, I don't have nearly as much to say about <laughs> pavement um, on uh, on the 10th of November my mother's birthday happy birthday Bernie um, uh, which was the Thursday night which was the first night um, not because it wasn't good but just because um I sort of couldn't see anything. <laughs> yeah. It was all like tall men, uh, as you can imagine. But, um, oh my God, what a show. Like, it, it was a really, really, really great gig. They played like quite a few, you know, like sleeper hits. Like, okay. it was, so I was there with my boyfriend who was a really, really big Pavement fan. And like all, almost every song that began Harry was just like oh my god they're playing this I'm so excited I'm so happy and like some I didn't know I'm a I'm a kind of a I'm I'm the I'm a big albums girl when it comes to pavement um but like it was such a great show it was they had so much energy they were chatting to each other on stage kind of nearly as if we weren't there like the stage banter was so unhoned that it was really really charming um in that they were you know interrupting each other and talking over each other and yeah. having little kind of pretend arguments and stuff which was really sweet and they just played brilliantly with so much energy uh Stephen Malcolmus sounds incredible it was it was really really great and like everyone around me was just having a really good time. We were down the back and it was, I have to say a very, very well-behaved concert because as I've spoken about recently, I've been to a few gigs lately where people have just kind of forgotten how to behave at gigs um, and that you don't mm. talk in the middle of a set, especially like a, a slower song or, you know, you don't like, you know, hit, hit a person in the head as you're walking past them because you're tall and she's small um, yeah. or, or whatever it might be. Just a really, like everyone that, that was there, the energy was so palpable. Everyone was so excited. We've waited for this gig for so long. You know, I bought these tickets in like, I think something like early 2021 or something. It was, they were definitely like a lockdown purchase well, and yeah. I bought them thinking like, uh, I, I don't know if this gig's ever going to happen because we don't know if gigs are, at all are ever, ever going to happen so yeah it felt like a really nice um it was the last of my lockdown gig purchases and it was a nice way to kind of round those off but yeah it was a, it was a great show and I know a few people who went to the second night as well the set list was almost entirely different um and they've been oh, doing okay. that I've been having a look at their set list throughout this tour um so the the second night of Vicar Street was the last night of their tour and um they've been changing the set lists a lot. Um, so it, it benefited people going the two nights. I got offered a ticket for the second night, but I was just very, very tired. So I didn't go, but, um, but yeah, it was great. Really, really enjoyed it. Ran into a few people, which was nice. Um, no exes. Um, <laughs> as was the, the thing going around on Twitter of like any woman going to pavement, just having to like duck and dive. <laughs> 
to like <laughs> avoid the ex-boyfriend. What did you call it? What did you call it? Instagram? The uh, uh, your the, oh, the men convention. men in their late thirties convention and your ex-boyfriend is here. I got a few messages from people being like, "Hey, I'm in my forties and I'm here. Give give us some recognition." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, fair enough." Um, and yeah, and uh, Alan McGuire, who I was there with, um, he he. Uh, posted like a, a little while ago that um it it would it might be the gig where the most amount of people are dressed the same and then followed it up with the confirmation that yes uh everybody there was dressed the exact same and it was very very sweet so yeah it was it was just really good fun I don't like I can't I can't comment too much on it apart from how it sounded which was great because I I really could not see very much um okay. because I was surrounded by a lot of very tall men <laughs> um <laughs> But what I did see was great. <laughs> so uh, in terms of live gigs, then uh, I think we are both going to the Mary Oliver's this week, perhaps. And um, Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That is this yes. week. Uh, yeah. And, uh, when is that? What day? Tomorrow. <laughs> Lives in Thursday. This Thursday. National Stadium. Hi. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> Someone. So. <laughs> 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 Someone else has my ticket and they, and they never reminded me about it. Oh, okay. well, you'll Better get a reminder them. shortly. <laughs> um, well, will we will we leave the world of live music for a minute before I come back to it? Because I want to talk about secondary ticketing in a bit. But uh, the only news that came out this week was uh, the very important, um, not important at all. Previously, we've talked about this at length, but uh, we're going to talk about it again briefly because it's the Grammys, lads. It's the Grammys. They are so weird. The Grammys it's are the so weird. It's the most important time in music. Most important time of the year. It's um, to very... show you how old-fashioned and out of touch the Grammys are, once again. <laughs> Where do we start? Where do we start with this? Um, how about the best alternative music album, which uh, uh, the writer Jill Krasowski oh. uh, wrote. Um, Sorry, that wasn't about... I, I was groaning yeah. there, not about the writer Jill Krasowski, but about so, what good news. About to talk about. Yeah, good news. Every single one of the alternative Grammy nominations features women at the small cost of honouring a serial abuser, allegedly. That is, the best alternative music albums are Yeah, 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 Cool It Down, Wet Leg, Wet Leg, Bjork, Fasora, uh, Big Thief, Dragon, New War, Mountain, I Believe in You, and Arcade Fire, We. As if you, if you did, weren't sure that... Um, cancel culture was actually just like some thing that actually didn't exist you can be sure when you look at the grammys because there are also nominations for chris brown and louis ck once again um and what else do you need to know about the grammys what else do you need how, to know how good can louis ck's current stuff be like genuinely i feel like if it was good enough to be nominated for a grammy within the context of where his career is right now like it would want to be quite literally the funniest comedy that anyone has ever made. And I haven't heard a single person discuss it. Like it, it gets to the stage where you're like, is, is, is there another, like, is there another category of representation that these people are, wor are worrying about? And they're like, oh, well, we should platform at least one abuser per category, yeah. allegedly. Sorry. <laughs> like alleged abusers but like do you know what I mean it's like how how good can it actually be the yeah. same same with Arcade Fire I'm like that's not a good album no it's not but that's what the Grammys love the Grammys love big 
big statements and kind of big empty gestures. That's that's what it's all about. <laughs> mm. So it loves uh, albums like we, uh, which and it know, loves uh, a nice campaign from mm. from the label, as we know. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. honest, honestly, for any listeners who haven't heard me explain the Grammys to Niall, I do. I think it's my greatest work, <laughs> personally speaking. It's, a, it's the podcast, it's a podcast PhD. I, it, genuinely, it is like the most proud of anything I've ever been. Um, so please do go and listen to that because um, the Grammys are wild. They it's called How wild. to Win a Grammy, that one, that episode. It's called How to Win a Grammy. I, t- I talk you through how, how to win a Grammy. Um, not many people have taken us up on it. I think I think it was in 2020. So, But I mean, yeah, so... I'm looking through the the nominations here. And I mean, you know, abusers aside, it's all a bit of fun to kind of just look back and see who who has been uh whose label believe in them. Um ABBA's label believe in them for record oh, yeah. of the year, don't shut me down. Um, wow. which is a and the album. Which is a good song. Um it's a it's a nice ABBA song. It's it's a nice to have, uh, as as people say in business. Easy on me by Adele for record of the year as well. Break my soul, Beyonce. Beyonce got a lot of um, yeah. So Beyonce's album is also nominated. Well, first of all, she's now tied her husband Jay Z for most Grammy nominations of all time. Yeah. Um, so nine new nominations this year, which means she has eighty eight in total. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> so a lot. nominations for this year include album of the year, record of the year, song of the year, and then many other categories include best dance album, she's in best R&B performance. Um, there's so many she's in there for. Um, what else have we got? Yeah, I always love looking at the, the best dance electronic album always gives me a bit of a, a laugh because it's like Diplo and somebody like this is Rufus Dussault is always in there. Like somebody that I've never heard of. It's just in a particular mm. American take on dance electronic music. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, Bonobo's in there, I guess. That's yeah. cool. But then Beyonce's in there. That's not a, I mean, I don't know if you can't categorize that as a dance electronic album, but sure, let Beyonce take up that space that somebody else could have. In terms of album of the year, there's... I don't mind Renaissance being in there for dance electronic, to be no. honest. I don't, I don't mind it. I think like because of what the album is and what it, what it's doing but she's taking up the room from the chain smokers the chain smokers could be in there <laughs> yeah justice yeah, for the perhaps. chain smokers justice for the chain <laughs> uh, best rock performance is one that i uh that i always like looking at um ozzy osbourne featuring jeff beck always on the pulse the yeah. grammys um beck old man uh i didn't even know that song um I, I was like i meant to look keys, that up. those those rockers uh brandy carlisle brian adams um Ooh. it is just it's stunning um best metal performance ghost megadeth muse ozzy osbourne again and turnstile muse um muse for metal uh it might be a metal song i have not listened to a muse song since 2008 i'll so, let you um, out that one i i don't know um <laughs> Who else have we got? Uh, well, we've yeah, got best rap album. Uh, Kendrick Lamar is mm. in there along with Push T, but uh, and Future and DJ Khaled. Uh, mm. But uh, the sore tome sticking out there is uh, Jack Harlow. Come home, the kids miss you. Uh, a pretty, he's not great that fella, uh, and he's probably going to win it. <laughs> We're yeah. going to get the Macklemore situation all over again, probably. <laughs> Uh, interesting with Kendrick Lamar, the Heart Part Five nominated for Best Rap Performance. Yeah, I gotta and... think that was like a decision that was made by the label to pick that song. Yes, yeah, yeah. So like you, it has you, to be. 
you yeah. you nominate the song um or you put forward the song Same with and Taylor it's also Swift, nominated well. for for record of the year so the hard part five obviously not on mr morale and the big stepper which i think was a mistake <laughs> it um, is actually listed as the third disc on the album now if you so that's it comes true on, after on, album, on spotify yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did he play it at uh no but yeah some of the mm. visuals on stage did uh, do a little bit of the, okay. the face morphing stuff at towards i think it's end. one of the best songs he's made in years i think it's yeah. i think it's a really really great song but he never performs those the heart uh, no. versions live or no he doesn't anything he just the lucy's um music of the spheres by coldplay album of the year can you imagine if they won that um against harry styles harry's house uh kendrick lamar lizzo special mary j blige good morning gorgeous deluxe version um beyonce renaissance bad bunny adele and abba uh i'm brandy carlisle as well um there's a best new artist uh do you have that list in front of you i do yeah um okay. anita from brazil uh Dami mm. and jd beck um lato money so who, who do you know from this <laughs> I've heard some of them. Do you know what? I think they, I haven't, I don't know them all, but there's mm. a guy in there called Toby uh, Nuegwe and he mm-hmm. is great. He had a song okay. with Pharrell not too long ago. He does a lot of visual stuff. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say I know that much of his stuff, but I think what he's doing is really interesting. He was, he, at one point he was releasing a song every Sunday and, oh, and, uh, like and a video as well, um, which is very cool. And I think he, he's doing some really interesting stuff. Um, mm. But also some stuff is fine. It's just a lot of it, but I think mm. definitely a really interesting artist. Um, I wrote about him recently. Yeah, let me see where he's from again. Um, him and his wife do a lot of stuff from their house as well. And um, yeah, I was just really impressed. I heard a song came up in August from him actually featuring Pharrell and uh, one of the guys from Earth Gang as well called Lord Forgive Me. I think it's like, Unfortunately, they took it down now, but uh, I mean, it's sometimes it's good when, you know, you hear a track on Spotify and you, you hear it because you, you're following one of the other artists, but some mm. really interesting choreographed music videos going on there. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he seems really interesting as well. Um, oh. And then Wet Legger in there uh, for some people, uh, a good one, some people a bad one. That band Maniskin that were on the Eurovision, they're in there as well. People yeah, love that band. I I don't know any of their music. I just why know that is they're all really so popular? Because <laughs> they're all really hot, and the gays love them. Okay, and that's. I mean, I, I've maybe their music is really good as well. I don't know, but I I like them because they're they're all hot and really cool. Okay. Um, Sometimes that's all you need. Professional music journalist and Drake Cleary. <laughs> um, song of the year: DJ Khaled featuring Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, Jay Z, John Legend, and Friday. God did. Have you heard that song? Do you know, I think I did try the week that it came out on the Friday to be like, go on, I listen to this DJ Khaled album. And I just I like the verb to, to try. <laughs> it's like, it's, it was called God did. I was like, mm. I just, I just feel like it's, he's basically making music in his own version of AI at this point, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, interesting with Taylor Swift song of the year, all too well, 10 minute version, the short film, um, we expect that this has been, or the the Swifties suspect that it, it has been, it will be nominated for uh, best short at the Oscars, or that it has been. Um, oh, okay. Well, it has been. What do you call it? Put forward by her team for that. Um, maybe Taylor wants to be an egot, um, but 
yeah, so the the ten minute version, the short film has been uh, nominated for Song of the Year. But I mean, I imagine you'll have to take the film part of it out. Um, but the ten minute version of that song is a masterpiece. So I I think it's well deserved being there. Um, you should go to the Taylor Swift club club night, um, Andrea. That's what you should where, do. What? My friend what is that? Uh, Anna Jacob does it uh, once a month in the Grand Social. What? It's on Friday night. <laughs> it's called oh Swiftageddon. And uh, you go and it's Taylor Swift all night. And there's literally oh a God. room where you like put down your request and they play it. <laughs> Unreal. So there you go. Yeah. Swift it's on again. this Friday? I think so. It's on oh, like once I'm busy a month. this Friday. I'll this go point. next month. I will definitely yeah. go next month. That sounds amazing. I've seen um I've seen clips from like Taylor Swift nights again on TikTok and people play like, you know, that scene. You watch Euphoria, didn't you? Mm, yeah. You know that scene when um when she's like, you dumb fucking bitch. And she's like doing this with her nails. And for some reason, like a lot of these nights play that scene and then it okay. goes into a Taylor Swift song. And I've and I've always looked at it and been like, I'd like to be there. That looks like fun. <laughs> there you go. But um, yeah, I'll do that. I'll go to that. Did you um, notice um, there was an one Irish nomination um, that I oh, noticed? Oh, uh, no. Um, where, which go what? pretty far down to find it. Um, it's uh, the best album notes, Andy Irvin and Paul Brady by ah. Garrett Murphy. I don't know. Do you know Garrett Murphy? Album notes writer so. for that album anyway. Oh. Um so there you go. My dream to win a Grammy for best liner notes. <laughs> best liner. I've notes, never yeah. written any liner notes for anyone. If anyone wants them, oh yeah, Gareth, Gareth Murphy wrote a book called Cowboys and Indies. Uh, I've the heard of history that book, of the record yeah. industry. Yeah, yeah, mm, so, yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Cool. He, he actually wrote the Journal of more, Music a lot. Oh, more you on the too. Grammys as 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 we get it. Um, I think we probably should cover it. Um, just. Just because it's fun, and I, I, I just think the Grammys are so, they're such nonsense, but they're, but they're quite fun, and you usually get some good performances out of it as well. Um, yeah, and then people snubbing it and giving out and all the yeah. Usuals. Oh, it's just it's they just like, keep adding um, categories as well. You're like, what? Yeah, it's like things. how how fashion people feel about the Met Gala is how I feel about the Grammys. It's just it's messy. Uh, like there's cool outfits and performances. People will be drunk. There's behind the scenes. There's gossip. There's people showing up or not showing up. It's it's fab. I love it. Yeah. Very good. Before we continue, I just want to say um, if you like what we're doing here and you want to support us and you want to join the community, the 909 community, which happens on Discord, uh, it's patreon.com forward slash 909 where you'll get access to our uh, Discord and exclusive playlists and, uh, and little bits. And um, at the moment, uh, I know you, you've uh, you've bowed out of the uh, music league currently, but um, no. But I'm going to join for the next um, the next season. Is it or there's a new? Yeah, next ra- new next league. Yeah, there was next a really round. lovely round this week called Arcane Hits, which was basically uh, songs uh, from artists that had less than ten thousand followers or listeners on Spotify. Oh, brilliant! Uh, it was a really interesting one. It was a good one to do because it was just. Uh, yeah, it was different. It was a different buzz and uh, I really enjoyed it. I picked a, there's actually plenty of them. Do you know what I mean? That's the mm. thing. There is, but it is hard to pick them these days. It is hard to pick ones, but I, I really enjoyed listening to that list. It was really nice. Uh, like somebody on Discord described it as kind of a, um, 
a college radio hour kind of thing. It was all like yeah. songs you'd never heard. And like there were songs from ships and people like that. And there I picked uh, Still Blue, a uh, new Irish band um, uh, who do very lovely melodic indie, um, a great track. Anyway, just to say that that is in there. Those are in there. Um, um, this morning, a uh, column from Discord put up uh, a screenshot of our what we're going to talk about next, which is our next story, which is uh, Taylor Swift and the ticketing drama that's currently engulfing Ticketmaster as ever and Live Nation. Um, so yesterday, as we speak, uh, millions of Taylor Swift fans swarmed onto Ticketmaster after getting their pre-registration links and pre-sale links and all that stuff uh, to try and get tickets for her first tour in five years. Um, and the one thing that isn't supposed to happen uh, with Ticketmaster it happened when Taylor Swift got involved. Obviously, Taylor's has the most has the most streamed um, artist in a single day on Spotify when Midnight's came out, and uh, she appears to have done it again. There was fifty two dates announced for the US. I think uh, most of the East Coast dates went on sale first, and that is when Ticketmaster absolutely collapsed into a heap uh, from the demand of people trying to get onto it. There was long. I it's a, like it's so crazy how. We, how it works now you know like you have to there's like a number of checks especially with Taylor Swift mm. you know in the past she has done you buy the album you get the pre-sale you get this pre-sale you get do this, do this there's a lot of hoops to jump through pre-registration all that kind of stuff and then when you actually get onto it now there's a waiting like a queue system and uh, it's a- Taylor Swift's so big it's like does she need to use Ticketmaster surely she could just build her own system to allow fans to, to well, that's buy. the thing. You would think Do the main mean? reason to use Ticketmaster for somebody like Taylor Swift, regardless of anything else, is the fact that you know the infrastructure isn't going to break. Mm. But she has broken it, so you're like, well, <laughs> you may as well have set up your own one at this point. You know, like yeah, if you, I think if, she should. Yeah, like, I think our, I think buying directly from artists should be like in terms of tickets should be way more common with bigger artists because like. We, we we can buy straight straight from artists, you know, for like a like a show in Dublin or something. Um, Very rarely, though, really, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's getting rarer, but it's possible. Their so infrastructure like, is not really there for those big artists. I mean, obviously, everyone yeah. wants a piece of but she, Taylor's a, pie, and she doesn't she's a seem multi millionaire. Build it, and they will mm. come. Historically unprecedented demand, apparently. So that's what happened. I mean, these were just for the pre-sale tickets, so these weren't even for the general sales. Um, so fans uh, reported uh, waiting in online queues for up to eight hours, um, <sighs> and many finding they did actually miss them. Uh, tickets were already between four, $49 and 449 each, depending on where you were sitting or where you were looking for. The Ticketmaster system that they employ for Taylor Swift is uh, selected as uh, its verified fans. It's supposedly set up to deter bots and scalpers, and this is where the issue is, because... Mm. While people were waiting in those eight-hour queues, all of these uh, tickets for these gigs started appearing on rehit sales sites such as StubHub for as much as twenty-two thousand dollars and up. Just say and that beyond. again, Niall, just in case anyone misheard you. <laughs> yes, a the Taylor Swift uh, tickets were going yeah. on sale on StubHub for, for as much as twenty-two thousand seven hundred. Uh, dollars actually u.s dollars u.s dollars taylor (laughs) swift uh 24th of march 2023 is what column shared in the discord today uh section 421 which is um in an arena is pretty far away is going for 
92,187, according to this uh, screenshot. Now, Sir. obviously, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have that line. We all have that line around. I mean, obviously, it's going to happen. You just, oh, shit, I accidentally bought that uh, uh, Taylor Swift ticket for nearly uh, 100 grand each there. Oh, well, at least, it's, at least I have a good view. No, you're pretty much bird's eye away from the stage as far as I can see here. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's You're behind the if stage. If every actually. one of your followers on Twitter gave you two euro, you'd be able to afford it. There you go. There you <laughs> and, go. You'd, and you'd have a few bob for a drink. Yeah. So, I mean, then what they decided to do is uh, uh, hold on and uh, reschedule some of the ticket sales for the West Coast shows. Um, to kind of uh, relieve the pressure and another pre-sale was due to go on sale today. I'm not sure what if that's gone yet. It might be on right now. <laughs> there was a funny one. There was a, I think the Guardian article quoted a guy uh, from the Next Draft newsletter called Dave Pell and he wrote this. He failed to get tickets and he said, I'm a failure as a father. The one time my daughter need, really needed me to come through for her, I ended up on the outside looking in, banished to the barren badlands of the Taylor Swift ticket waiting list wasteland. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um, I look guy, I don't know what's going to happen with daughter. these but I mean obviously somebody I feel like the problem here is that there is if there is tickets which there appears to be on the stub pub um, that is the problem uh, in mm-hmm. the first place not the no one is going to pay those prices for it so they inevitably will come down but that's down. the thing right Li- literally nobody even if you had $92,000 even if you were a millionaire that, that w- was it like if you had that amount of money, you wouldn't need to pay $92,000. Like there's, there's no conceivable like instance in which anybody would pay that money. So yeah. like what, what happens with that? You know? It's like, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, it is like, what is it there for? How does this work? Is, We've seen it is recently. it so that like somebody accidentally buys it? it? Kind of, yeah. It kind of feels like that, doesn't it? It's and like they've got 92 chancer. grand in their current account because they've been saving for a mortgage or something. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it just comes out. Can you imagine? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've heard of things like that happening before with Ooh. large amounts of coming out on a tap uh, mm. accidentally. So it can, those kind of things can happen. Mm. But I mean, recently you've seen Adele with her Vegas residency, which is starting this Friday. Um, it's called Weekends with Adele. Uh, it was after being rescheduled from earlier this year. There were tickets going on StubHub for that uh, in the lower uh, area of the theatre from anywhere from 8000 up to $32,000. Now, I did some look into this myself this week uh, before the podcast and uh, using an LVPN and having a look at it. And so Friday's uh, Vegas Adele show, the cheapest tickets going currently are $550. Uh, and the most expensive is $23,500, which is right in front of the stage. So there clearly are tickets there. This is a Vegas show. It's happening in two days on Friday. And they are there. They are absolutely there. So, I mean, I guess, you know, and you saw then, uh, like, people like uh, AOC saying, Daily Reminder that Ticketmaster is a monopoly. It's, it's a merger with Live Nation should never have been approved and they need to be reined in. So I think I would like to just kind of briefly discuss a bit more about the secondary ticket market because we haven't discussed it for a while and because essentially we had COVID and there wasn't really much talk about that. Now, last year we did have an announcement about Irish, um, the government approving a ticket touting bill and banning the resale of tickets. I'll get into that in a bit. But first, um, I did an article about StubHub in 2017 um, and 
they entered the Irish market in 2017. I wrote an Irish Times article for it. Now, when they entered, they already had a uh, interesting development happening in the UK at the same time. They were raided in the UK by the Com- Competition and Markets Authority after they failed to disclose information requested as part of an investigation into online ticket outing. They had a top seller program, and one of these top seller was a, a Canadian multimillionaire uh, ticket broker called Julian Lavallee. Um, who claimed to have deals with promoters and venues for tickets in exchange for yearly fees. Um, and he was in the Paradise Papers uh, around that time um, at, at where he was mentioned in the use of offshore tax havens. So, you know, this is already like dodgy ways to set up. So this was 2017 when they, when they came to Ireland and I met um, the manager of StubHub UK in Ireland about this and he, he, didn't feel, he said it wasn't, he didn't feel it was appropriate to talk about what was going on in the UK. But there were suggestions there, like at the time, um, so Viagogo, um, StubHub, Get Me In and Seatwave were the four main companies. I think now it's Viagogo and StubHub that are left and operating mm. in Ireland for sure. So it's interesting to note that I think, you know, there was the issue there at the time was that there was exorbitant prices on these tickets that people really wanted. And then since then, what we've seen is I think you see a lot more of these segmenting of tickets into the pre-sale market where you're like, mm. there's a pre-sale for the promoter, there's a pre-sale for the artist, pre-sale for, you know, the mobile phone company. So yeah. it's never quite clear how many like tickets are actually on general sale. So you kind of like pre-sale tickets have become the norm in which in the way to get tickets. I imagine a pre-sale makes up of a lot of the percentage at this mm. point of most big in-demand tickets so maybe something like those Twitter, Taylor Swift gigs you like we did we can't know yeah but you would imagine that could be anything up to 60 70 percent for a pre-sale but, at but this I mean point. think th- think about the amount of people in Ireland who are with three for example the the phone company three and like if if every one of those people buy a pre-sale ticket that they have access to you know like there's it's a it's amazing that they, that they managed to do that and not and, and still kind of that there's still tickets that go on general sale for like for really really big artists you know it's yeah it's 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 a really weird one you know um can I just ask for for clarity for myself um the bill about secondary ticket selling in yeah. Ireland was that passed or was it just brought to the doll? Apparently it was passed, but the reason I want to talk about that and mention it, because I think even at the time it wasn't clear what was going on with it. So mm. on the surface, it appeared to be a very good thing, banging, uh, banning ticket touting and uh, the resale of tickets above 10% of face value. But I think the issue seemed to be that it required the event organizer or, or the event promoters or the venue itself to apply for the designation. So you didn't have to do it. So it kind of became mm. this useless situation where like it wasn't mandatory. Therefore, why would anyone do it? Therefore, yeah. whatever. Like, well, if it's, it's not so mandatory, it was, it's not a law then. You can't opt in and no, out. No, it's like, yeah, I think that was the idea and it doesn't really make sense. So it was like, it just still, it's like throwing an invisible lasso around the ticketing market and going, see, we did something. And mm. then you're like, well, you didn't actually do anything because none of these have changed. So here I had a look at uh, StubHub there um, today and uh, other than uh, the American one where the uh, Adele front row ticket is going for $23,000, the uh, Irish one, let's have a look at that. Um, 
let's have a look here. Like, there's not much really even active on it. There's Celine Dion tickets, right? Going there's one here for the 30th of March 2023 that says from 1500 euro, 500 euro for Dublin. Um, there's an Elton John gig on sale on StoPub right now. Ticket price is 344, 440 quid. Mm. Where are those tickets coming from? Who's trying to sell them? Um, it's not quite clear. StoPub in the past, when I remember when I talked to them, they said, you should, you know, we want, uh, every seller has to show like who they are and where it's coming from. But like. But no, you don't. Like, no. That's like, what they wanted, they said. But I, yeah. I can't see that now. That's not there. No. Easily. And if it is, it's hidden. Um, so, yeah. So where are these tickets for 440 quid for, for a gig coming from? Closer to home. Let's look at this, right? So, um, aviagogo.ie. Um, there is currently a Gilliband gig happening on the 9th of December 2022 in Vic, in the National Stadium. And you can get tickets for um, the general uh, areas, actually, from 30 quid right now. But for some reason on Viagogo, there's tickets up there for 76 quid. Why is that? Mm. You know, why are those? Do, I'm sure Gilliband had no idea that this was happening. So who's, who's putting those tickets up? It says yeah. there's 16, 18... Uh, there's 24 tickets apparently going for 76 quid each on Viagogo. So where do those tickets come from? Who's putting them up? Are they real? Um, are the bands aware of this? Most of the time you feel like they're not. And when they do, it's quickly discovered sometimes and it gets taken down when somebody like Ed Sheeran talks about it. But I don't know. I mean, are, are, that's like, the thing as well is that I, I have never bought a, ticket from StubHub, like any kind of secondary selling that or buying yeah. that I've done have been through through the Ticketmaster platform because they have a really good like um resale thing where you can put someone else's name on the ticket and so yeah. on. I'm sure yeah. I mean, loads of people have done it. One like, great thing that they've done in the last uh, number of years is the resale. Uh, it's brilliant. In, and it's really it's really, really easy. Like it's and because we live in a time of COVID, you know, you, you have to be able to sell your ticket at the last minute um, if needs be, if, if you come down with COVID or or whatever happens. So that's a really great feature that they've introduced. But so that's the only kind of, you know, secondary resale thing or, you know, from a mate or someone on Twitter or whatever. But I've never gone on like parting with anything over 30 quid. Um, I'd really want to no you know and, and and I feel like if I went onto StubHub and and I, I say I really wanted to go to Gilliband and it was like 75 or 80 quid or something I wouldn't be willing to part with that money without evidence that that ticket is real do you know what I mean um that's true and um you know funny enough uh, my my pal who came along to Kendrick was waiting outside for me and he said there was a guy a ticket out outside and he was literally bringing um people up to the uh, the door with tickets, as in to get them in. Um, with physical tickets or on yeah, the phone? Yeah, appears to be. So I wonder, like, where does he get them? Who? What happens there? Are they real? If they are, is mm. this, if somebody's scamming the door, is like, you know, I mean, I can't know what was happening there. I wasn't there myself. So yeah. I can't see that. But like, you know, if people are coming up um like where are those tickets coming from are they coming from a premium club is it coming from a members thing like if that is happening and i i, I can't verify that for sure yeah. but if those situations are happening what how are they happening mm-hmm. how is the gig like the three and where are those tickets going and that's i think it's this comes back to the like 
obviously promoters in there uh, don't want to be fully transparent in terms of how many tickets are being sold for gigs because um you know sometimes tickets aren't selling that well and yeah. that maybe just compounds the fact that people might not sell tickets or might not buy tickets at the last minute and i think that does seem to be happening now at the moment very often is that people will wait till the last minute to buy tickets and that's obviously understandable because yeah. you're not sure if you're gonna have 70 quid and it's like we've seen it this week in the discord where somebody was like oh i'm i'm not sure if i'm gonna go to this kendrick gig and then they go because you know the hype is there and you're like yeah it's good you should really go and you're like you're interested anyway so you go mm. so yeah a lot to ponder there and i think it's been a while since we talked about that and obviously in the context of um secondary ticketing there's and 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 the live music industry there's clearly a lot of problems going on at the moment as we've discussed before with the cost of living and brexit and all of the things that are contributing to high rising costs mm. if you want to look at something uh, an indication i think anyone out there who's interested in how bad is it out there for live music go on to ticketmaster go on and just scroll the concerts and have a look at how many of them are cancelled there's a lot of cancelled gigs out there from international touring bands whether they're it means they can't um afford to be here um the tickets aren't selling or whatever it is and um, they decided not to do it right now because of the um uncertainty there's a lot of tickets, just uh, a lot of of, of uh, shows quietly cancelled without uh, an announcement in the last, uh, it's happening, ongoing at the moment, you know. Mm. So, you know, they're all for different reasons, but at the same time. Yeah. And we talked a, a bit uh, about this with um, Richie Egan, Jape last week, um, about the kind of the pressures and the stress of touring with a band as well and that a lot of people are touring you know with a much more stripped down kind of set or just somebody with um with a guitar or whatever so if people want to hear that chat um that's on last week's episode but yeah the live industry like it's just god it it, it is and I think we said this last or we've said this a couple of times it's just it, it, it it's the nexus of all of these you know seemingly uh unrelated things like yeah. Brexit and the pandemic and cost of living and the war and just a, a, a lot of stuff happening at the same time and it's just it's battering them like and as well you know having to donate a lot or to pay a load of your like merch uh money to venues as well which is something that i only found out about like during covid when people start talking about mm. it and you know and that's much been much more obvious right yeah as well. and people you get have, bands have been much more um oh like this, about there, it. there are bands who are who are selling merch f- from their car outside the venue instead of doing it inside and like you know fair play to them um who was it last be. week that gave out about the Olympia said they wouldn't be selling uh, merch there? Oh, uh, I didn't see. I didn't see anywhere in Ireland. Yeah, no, it was uh, somebody about the Olympia said they weren't going to be selling their merch yeah. there. Uh, I'd like to look week. into what what the story is with different venues in Ireland. Actually, um, you know, a Wheelands don't charge. Um, anything. Yeah, they just give you a little space. I know that. Yeah. Um. So always a good place to do it. Um. Mm. Other than that. Uh, it's just to know, yeah, it's just to know. I must see who that was now, um, last yeah. week. Yeah, it's, it's a good idea to kind of look into this and find this out because, you know, we, we want, we, we obviously want our venues to stay open and we obviously want our venues to earn money, but, you know, venues are earning money off the bar, venues are earning money, a, a, a bit of the money from the tickets, like, yeah, 
the, there has to be something to just support the artists and that's what merch is supposed to be. Um, yeah. So it was so. Peter Hook actually who put up uh, that message originally saying, okay. um, uh, I'm not going to be selling, but it, the, the original tweet is now gone. Okay. He said, uh, Olympia Theatre, due to very high commission rate, 25% plus VAT charged on merchandise. So he wouldn't be doing it. But he's that's not there anymore. So maybe him saying maybe that has uh, reduced it. You know? Okay. I mean, um, I get it. You Like a lot of time, the costs of like those, that 25% sometimes goes on like literal staff there for people to to sell it for you so you don't have to do it yourself and i think that's always tough as well like mm. do you bring somebody on tour with you to do it most people probably do but often those big events have um you know uh companies that come in and and do and run those things you know everyone that comes in to run like kendrick as well kendrick had like a tote bag for like 35, 40 quid and a t-shirt for 40 quid, you know, like were they a nice? book and half for 40 quid. They're fine. Yeah. I mean, they were grand, but like a hoodie for 80 quid, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're inflated prices anyway. So, yeah. and the bigger gig that gets played, the, the, the larger the price for that, because there's a, a bigger commission, there's more yeah. work involved. It's not like, it's not like Kendrick is throwing his, uh, his merch into a van and bringing it with him, you know, it's probably on a, on a truck and, and it has a company to handle it in every, mm. uh, city. So, I mean, those are the challenges of those things. Yeah. So, and the, um, that's, that's a supply chain mind. thing where everybody along the way has to get paid. So, yeah. you know, it is a business. It's called the music business for a reason, but like, you know, again, it always comes back to the artists, like smaller artists, up and coming artists, just being screwed out of being able to make a living. You know, because they're expected to just—I don't know—that it, it, it's some that it's a vocation, <laughs> yeah. And they should just be happy to be able to do it. Um, but yeah, do you do you have a lighter note for us? <laughs> do I have a lighter note for yeah. us? To finish oh, we on. Need, well, yeah. Well, we need a reason to be cheerful, actually. Okay. Okay, let's find one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Desperately seeking. Uh, a reason to be cheerful. Reason to um, be cheerful. Well, you mm. know, I mean, there has been a lot of good uh, gig announcements the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, uh, Trey, looking forward to seeing him. He's playing soon. Uh, other voices coming up. Can't wait to get back to Dingle. Can't wait for That's Dingle. a big one. Oh, I'm thinking about that a lot. Really looking so forward excited. to that. I'm so um, excited. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, Dingle's going to be great. Kick off Christmas. Um, We're nearly there. Yeah. Christmas is nearly happening. Yeah. And then, you know, before we know it, we'll be doing our end of year. <laughs> the D. It won't be long. Andrea's most long. stressful time of the year. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's okay. all. All through December, we'll be doing the uh, best of the year. Our, our best albums, best uh, songs and uh, our podcast and our awards. awards, whatever they may be. Yeah. Um, podcast awards are the, are, I think the best episodes of the year <laughs> it's when we let loose it's when we most. let loose it's good it's good fun it's good maybe fun. we'll think of something else to let loose with next week okay yeah um and um podcast at nylon9.com if you have anything that you would like to suggest us talking about yeah if we're you have at comments the on the secondary ticketing market if, have if you, you have any comments on that or market or, we want to hear from you or, or anything else because um, we are at the stage of the year where we're looking towards end of year stuff and there's not much stuff being released so if you have a topic for us 
We'd like that, please. Thank <laughs> if you. If you want to do our work for us, <laughs> please do. Send us an please email. Do. Yeah. Or if you just have any <laughs> questions or comments in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, that's it from us this week, I think. Uh, we leave it there. So, Andrea, thanks so much. Um, Thank you, Niall. I love the... Uh, the sideways angle you're giving me this week you're uh, thank you're, you're giving no, I said me, I, I, I look like a youtuber yeah because you're like it looks like you're playing a game or something or you're doing something more interesting oh, yeah. off screen if, if i go like this you can be like playing a game yeah people can't see me do that but you're not head on no yeah that's true yeah okay <laughs> all right that's it from bye, us bye everyone <laughs> thanks for listening to the nine podcast talk to you soon love you bye bye